rights. I know I already prayed, but let's pray to start this out. Father, you are so good. Thank you so much for this book and for the truth that it guides us to in your word. Lord, please continue to shape our minds and our hearts and our mouths as we seek to honor you in prayer. Pray this, Father, so that you would be magnified. All right. Your kingdom come. Any initial... Well, actually, let me ask this first. How many people read chapter 5 this week? Okay. How many people remembered to pray before you read? It's an important part of this, so try to remember. Use your, your bookmarker. Uh, oh, yeah, it doesn't work for Paul. Write it on your hand. We are starting uh, chapter 5, so we're on page 81. No, we didn't. We did not. Uh, okay, so page 81. Anyone have anything on either 81 or 82 that stuck out to them? Jonathan? Yeah, and I would add the sentence before it as well. People attend religious services and say they believe in God, but at best they adhere to a practical atheism and situation morality, situational morality. As Pastor mentioned recently, we don't know the exact numbers of people, what percentage of people that proclaim Christ truly are believers. I would just guess that it's a lot less than actually say. Uh, based on experience, based on uh, just reality, I imagine when the persecution gets heavier, as I'm pretty sure it will in my lifetime, I think, thankfully, we will see a purification of the church and see how many people flee like uh, cockroaches when you turn on the lights. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I think that there are many that it is uh, simply a intellectual, uh, I can't think of the phrase, but it's basically, you know, yeah, I believe there's a God 
but there's no, it doesn't mean anything to them. They don't truly understand what that entails. There's no lordship. Uh, you know, when you're, when the majority of the churches preach, just accept Jesus, you know, it's no wonder that there's a lot of false converts. Anyways, I think the lack of preaching and teaching about why we are actually actually why we are actually here is the culprit. And that's what he's getting to in this chapter. We are not here to engage in all the things that are going on in the world. Not that we can't, but that's not our main purpose. We must understand our main purpose. And that is in the coming pages, obviously. I'm sorry. His definition of uh, why we're here, why it's at the church level. Which page? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you don't. I forgot. You've got the electronic book today. Um, I'm sorry. What was the first? The church has but one. Oh, so that's the next page. Yeah, 82. Yeah, and the, so the sentence before that, 
although changing our society by calling it back to a safer morality as a noble goal, this has never been Christ's goal for his church. So yeah, the, and the, he, he's developing the main points over these first few pages. Um, I think he sums it up um, in a couple places pretty well. But the idea is going back to the prayer. Jesus taught for our focus to be on Christ's coming kingdom. He taught it 2,000 years ago, and it's as relevant today. Because of uh, the way the United States in particular has provided so much freedom and uh, choice <coughs> and uh, comfort for us, when we are focused primarily on this world, it's so easy to get caught up and only focus on and only pray about, only consider, only work at those things. So I appreciate how he's approaching this to help us to consider, are those things, one, the things that we should be praying about, but two, the things we should be um, working towards primarily? And I think that the answer, when we look throughout Scripture, is no. Whether we live in communist China or we live in Beverly Hills, there are lost people. And our goal is, no matter where we live, to remember our purpose in God saving us. And that is to lead others to Christ. Because He is coming. Jonathan? I don't think there's one without the other. But giving, so, I don't, I'm not disagreeing. However, if we end every sentence with, so that we glorify God, so that we glorify God, so that we glorify God, it becomes routine. It becomes writ. So, he, he points out in many places, and I'm not trying to just defend him, but I, I think if we look at a, a sentence, a chapter, uh, a few pages, whatever, and we don't see that, if we you know, get nervous, I think we have to understand, what did Jesus say in Matthew 28? He said, go, make disciples of all men, teach them what I taught you. He didn't say, do this to glorify God. That's, it's understood. No. So... I don't think we have to say it every single time because by saying it every single time However, it loses its emphasis. But it is one mission. 
It is one mission. He said, go and make disciples of all men. That's our mission. In doing that, in our obedience, we glorify God. How we do it, why we do it, uh, how much we do it, all of those things lead to God being glorified, whether we say it or not. So, I don't know. Yes? So, Jonathan, if you're concerned that he's saying evangelism is the only thing the church is supposed to do, is that what it feels like to you? He kind of answers that. I think, if, I think that only makes sense if we take the making disciples thing to be strictly evangelistic as opposed to helping people who already trusted Jesus know him better. So if we look at the whole spectrum of things, like from telling someone who doesn't know about Jesus who Jesus is, seeing that person get saved and added to the church fellowship, watching that person draw closer to Jesus and learn more about him, getting that person ready to die and go meet Jesus, like that whole process would be a, I think, what he has in mind there. Um, to like lead people to saving knowledge, like in connection with what Peter talks about, true knowledge. Um, like it encompasses like all the steps along the way. Yeah, I mean... If we're looking at this one sentence and saying, is that the whole thing? No. He's developing what the whole thing is throughout this whole first, uh, really, three pages. He says, uh, again, talking about, uh, although changing our society and by calling it back to a safer morality is a noble goal, he says the church has but one mission in this world to lead people destined to spend eternity in hell to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and an eternity in heaven. Then he says on the next page, America has but one destiny to go the way of all other nations. No human kingdom will endure forever. So the point is, look, we're here now. We have a primary objective. That primary objective is to tell others about Christ. And yes, I think that involves all the steps that involves us knowing it, that involves us telling it, that involves us uh, helping people to grow so that they can tell. I think it's all encapsulated in there. It's not, this isn't, he's not espousing Billy Grahamism. He's not saying just tell people Jesus loves them and you can accept him as Savior by saying a quick prayer and then you're good. Yeah, I think he's primarily combating us living for this life. All right, anything else on 82, 83? Or if you have an electronic, up to the promise of God. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and again, if we consider all the people, this is not a comforting thought, but I think it's worth considering. If we consider all the churches, all the people that say they are followers of Christ, all the people that we know that say they are followers of Christ, how long go how much time goes by between them talking to somebody about Jesus? I'm sorry? If ever. If ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure we all know Christians who have never shared the gospel openly with somebody else. And that's, that's a shame. So, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to pray about this, to pray for the church, to pray as uh, Jesus said, the, you know, the harvest is ready. We need more workers. So, we need to be laboring, we need to be working, and we need to be telling others to do the same. That is our primary goal. It doesn't mean that we have to be in full-time ministry to do that. You know, as pastors have said, as other, I've heard other pastors say, you know, being a pastor of a church or being a missionary, you don't have the opportunity to meet everybody, so there has to be Christians in other jobs and other places so that we can reach more people. So our responsibility is not all to be pastors, it's not all to be missionaries full-time, it is to be faithful in whatever we're doing and tell people about Christ by the way that we live and by the words of our mouth wherever we are. And that doesn't mean to be obnoxious and you know, just go up to people and smack them on the head and say, hey, did you trust Jesus yet? You know. there, there's wisdom in how we do it. The point is that we should be doing it. For some people, yes. I thought about smacking Derek before. <laughs> Not just him, but I figured since you said it. <laughs> A couple family members, too. All right. Uh, so after the promise of God, page 84 or 85. Did you have something? <laughs> Go ahead. And that's something that we have the ability to share today. You know, unlike five years ago, maybe, 
because there is so little hope in this world. There are so many things working against uh, what people have considered normal and comfortable. There's so many things changing, and we have the opportunity to be a light and to be able to exhibit that hope and to be able to talk about that hope. You know, it's not trust Jesus, your life will get better. It's trust Jesus because there's no hope without him. And in the midst of the difficulties, you can still have hope. You can still have peace. You can still have joy. I had a good conversation last week with uh, my friend Brian that I had uh, mentioned that lives in Texas. and He's going through a very, very difficult time. And he, uh, his wife is, well, I guess this is being recorded. I shouldn't say everything. <laughs> He's going through a very difficult time. Let's just say it that way. Many, many things are uh, happening at once. And on top of that, he's losing his hearing in one of his ears. And doesn't look like there's anything that can be done to, to stop it. So I said to him, I said, Brian, these are all very difficult things to handle on their own, but they're all coming to you all in a very short period of time. In many instances, these things happen to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we have no other place to go but to Christ. And I will tell you this, if you lose your family, you lose your hearing, you lose your job, you lose all these things, but you find Christ, it's worth it because he will give you the peace and the hope and the joy despite those things. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the message that we have to share. It's not that life is going to get easier when we trust Christ. In many ways, it does get harder. But we have the ability to do it because we know that ultimately we don't have to worry. Yes. A <laughs> little, bit, little bit better context. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes. Right? I mean, if we consider, I'm sure each person is going to be a little bit different, but if we consider what prevents us from being more vocal about Christ, what prevents us from being more faithful 
what prevents us from more faithfully taking up our cross and denying ourselves? In most cases, it's the focus on the temporal. It's the focus on my current or near comfort. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be put out in any way. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to, I want to get my way. I want what I want and I want it now, right? Humanism. So in most cases, it's us falling into that trap and forgetting temporarily reality, the reality that we live in, that he is going to crush all of these things and we are trying to move as many people out from underneath that that I picture a boot, uh, you know, because it's flat, and so you know, if you have uh, uh, a shoe, you might have some gaps where ants could still survive. You know, <laughs> I guess it depends on the surface, and I'm going a little bit too far in this analytic, analytical aspect, but <laughs> yes, uh, but it is it is our our responsibility, it is our privilege to be faithful to him and to be used by him. And again, I just think this is, this is the whole point. So page 85, the Jewish Talmud is right in saying that the prayer in which there is no mention of the kingdom of God is not a prayer at all. Now, we can say, oh yeah, but what about, instead of us saying, trying to find holes in, the, in it, let's consider is there enough truth in that that when we pray, when we take time to pray, we should consider eternity? I would say absolutely. If we considered eternity more, if we considered God's coming kingdom, hopefully, just like last week, considering who God is should direct our words and our thoughts and our prayers, so should the reality of him coming soon, that should also direct us. So hopefully we would focus less on our own comfort and more on the souls of the lost. At the bottom of our new priority, he says, a true child of God won't be preoccupied with his own plans and desires but with the determinate program of God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And let's say this. Not perfectly, right? We know we're going to stumble, but this should be our priority, and this should be what we are working towards continually. All right. Uh, Starting with dealing with self... Page 86, page 87. Jonathan?
Yeah, and, and again, that's, that's one of the central ideas with this book is so that we would be better informed as to what things God is concerned about so that we pray more about those things and then act more on those things. And it's not just, God, save my neighbor. It's, God, save my neighbor and give me opportunities to be used by you as well. And as he says, oh yeah, yeah, I guess you said the second part. It's funny. Almost every time you guys have said something, I, under, I, also, I underline that, but also the sentence before. So then I start reading, I'm like, oh wait, I already said the second part. <laughs> All right, so after a kingdom not of this world, so 86, 87... Uh, if you would like to. I just thought it was helpful to draw out the taking the poses God was giving people. So think about this. Every day we have to make choices as to how we're going to respond to situations, as to what we're going to do in certain circumstances. Every day, we probably make dozens to hundreds of choices. It is, there's no doubt that this world system is designed to distract us from making decisions in accordance with what God wants. This is where I believe one of the best things that we can do is to start our days with prayer and consider the things that we might encounter throughout the day and ask God to help us and to use us to prepare our minds for those interactions with others so that we would then respond well. If we know we're going someplace where there are going to be lost people, Ideally, we're praying about it before we get there. Ideally, we're taking those opportunities seriously, realizing that every time we're around an unbeliever, there's an opportunity to be salt or to be a light in some way. Whether we're planting, whether we're watering, you know, whether we're harvesting, we don't know. But we, if we are not thinking about it, if we are not planning, if we're not preparing, it doesn't mean that God can't use us. However, I would say we're going to be less prepared and we're much less likely to actually act on those situations when we don't pray. I had the opportunity a couple weeks ago and I, I didn't pray about something. I didn't even think about it because it was somebody that I see regularly and I don't want to say I've given up on them, but it's somebody that I pray for regularly and have had some conversations in the past and didn't really think about it. And we ended up being able to talk for an hour about spiritual things. And he says he's a believer. 
and I don't see it. I don't see any fruit whatsoever. I, know, I remember the phrase, it's a, a mental ascent. People can make a mental ascent. They can say, yes, uh, I believe there's a God because God's word is written on our hearts. We know instinctively there's something. We just don't always know what. So saying it is one thing. Living it, going through with it is another, obviously. But my point is, or let me get back to the point. I didn't do what I should have done, and yet God gave me a great opportunity, and it was so exciting because I had never gotten this deep into conversations about spiritual things with him in the past, and it was, it was amazing. And now I'm praying more fervently for him and you know, looking forward to God saving him. And it's, it's very exciting. So I kick myself thinking, man, I should have been praying. I should have realized. And then I probably would have been better prepared because there's at least two or three things that I wish I would have remembered or I wish I would have said that I didn't. Now, I know God can and will use what I said, so I'm not going to fret too much. But those opportunities give us the ability to reflect and think, hey, if I get in that situation again, how could I respond maybe in a way that's more clear? All right. So 87, 88, uh, Christ is the ruler. Uh, we've got about four minutes till eight o'clock, so I'm trying to see. One second, what were you going to say, Pastor? both universal and earthly, yes. Yeah, and so thinking about the songs that were picked tonight, what was the theme? Jesus is king, right? We need to be reminded of that. We need to be living in that reality. He is king. Let's serve him. And it's funny, I was thinking back to that conversation with that guy. I gave a, I came up with a metaphor off the top of my head, and I was like, that was pretty dumb. Uh, but I was thinking of a better one. And, you know, we are called in the New Testament soldiers. He is our general. He is our king. He is our leader. We need to be willing to follow him just like, you know, I, anybody here in the military? Okay, I didn't think so. But I think we can relate, right? When, right, James, yeah. Former, yes. I know, not presently. But we understand you follow orders. 
you don't own, you know, in a sense, the government owns you when you're enlisted, right? They tell you where to sleep, when to sleep, what to eat, how much time you have, whatever. And similarly, now we have a gracious God, and it's not that we can't enjoy the things of this earth, but we need to be about our Father's business. We need to be realizing and considering that every day is a spiritual battle, and we need to be praying about it. And again, I think that's the whole point. This should guide our prayers. This should inform us so that we are praying more about the coming kingdom and that that would inspire us to be more active in praying for and speaking to the lost and preparing to do it better and better over time. Yes. Right? Right, and I think one of the points he's making, which we talked about in the beginning to a certain extent, let's not get too focused on, you know, making America great again. Sounds great, and let's be honest, our flesh likes the idea of that, generally speaking. We like the idea of prosperity. We like the idea of freedom. We like these ideas. They're, they're built in us. But they are not the most important thing. The most important thing is the coming kingdom. And that needs to be our focus. Can we help inform people to think more morally, as you know, Pastor was pointing out earlier, and he, uh, John MacArthur was pointing out, yes. Are those things important? Yes. But there are a lot of moral, uh, conservative people uh, that are going to hell. And that needs to be our concern. Not just the conservatives, obviously. We pray for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden regularly. And a couple others. <laughs> uh, okay, 88, 89, the universal aspects, the earthly aspects. I like how he points out under the earthly aspects, we could say, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. The idea is when we're praying with this mindset, we don't have to say it every time. But that should be the thought. Rule in our hearts as you will in the future. Rule our in our hearts now as you will in the future. You know, use us to build your kingdom. Having that mindset of 
the coming kingdom in the fact that it's our job to help build it by giving people the gospel and strengthening them so that they can give the gospel. It's all about... Um, I can't think of the phrase or the word. Uh, reproduction. It's all about reproduction, right? It's all about we get in a place where we can understand the Bible enough to give the gospel clearly, and then we give it. And then we teach that person so that they can do the same, and then they can do the same. And that's the idea. Started with 12 and has been going for a really long time. Let's keep it going. It's mo much more important than the wave. All right. 89, 90, 91, uh, the conversion of unbelievers. I underline this whole paragraph, the commitment to believers. The desire of those already converted should, should be, be to allow the Lord to rule in their lives now, just as he rules in heaven. We frequently come to crossroads in our lives where we have to choose between doing God's will or our own. That's when we need to affirm our commitment to God's causes. Since Christ is Lord, we must submit to his lordship. In Romans 14, 17, the Apostle Paul said the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you commit yourself to the virtues the Spirit wants to produce in your life, you will pray that your life will honor and glorify your Father in heaven. There you go, Jonathan. Finally. Yeah, ultimately, the message of the gospel is not Jesus loves you, accept him. The message of the gospel is coming judgment is near, repent and submit to him. All right. Any last thoughts? Yes, yes it is. All right, so continue to pray, to consider your words, to consider your heart. Read chapter 6 for next time, and as you're reading, underline those things that jump out to you and be ready to share them. Let's pray. Father, you are a great God and you are at work. We hear about you working in India and in Peru. And we know that we have, each of us at different times, seen or heard you working in and around us. Lord, I pray that 
our priority would be to live faithful, to live obediently, to be about your business, to be focused on building your kingdom. You are the Lord God Most High. Please strengthen us so that we would live in a way that shows that to this world. Lord, work in us and through us so that Jesus Christ would be made known and so that he would receive great glory. Amen.